Yeah, grab your uh, Bibles, open up to book of Acts. Today we're going to read in the book of Acts about another uh, baptism that took place. Uh, through Acts, we've already seen thousands, right? Thousands and thousands of different people uh, who've been baptized. On the day of Pentecost, there were 3,000 on that day alone. Uh, this story is just about one, one guy who gets dunked. Uh, I, I personally don't believe in uh, coincidences or, or uh, chance meetings. Uh, not not when you believe in a God who is like sovereign and all knowing and all powerful and uh, one that that guides and leads and directs. It's hard to believe in something like chance, right? I believe in divine appointments. Uh, I think uh, God brings all kinds of different divine appointments. Uh, our way. On a regular basis, Camille and I will uh, tell our kids about the first time that we met. And Camille always tells them that it's, it's just in case they ever need to go back in time to make sure that we fall in love, just like Back to the Future. Uh, but I think she just likes telling the story, honestly. Uh, we met in high school. I was on the wrestling team and she was one of the, one of the stat girls for the team that, that uh, wrote down statistics. Uh, and it was at a, at a, a wrestling tournament in December of 1992. Uh, she, she was somebody that I knew, like I knew of. We had a couple classes together. Like she, I had, I had seen her, but didn't really know her particularly well. Uh, at this tournament, I, I tossed my jacket at a stat girl and said, hey, watch that for me. Uh, went down to the mat. When I came back, she was wearing it. Uh, <laughs> and, it and it was just like, you know, like on TV where there was angel choirs singing and halos <laughs> around her head. <laughs> and, and like for the first time, I, wow, she's kind of pretty. <laughs> uh, and then when we sat down and talked and discovered that she's also a Christian who was attending faithfully here at Calvary Baptist Church, uh, I was, uh, I was a, an FBC boy at the time. Uh, but to find out that she was somebody who also had a, had a faith in Jesus and loved him what made it, uh, all that much better. And I, and, I, and I thank God all the time for that particular divine appointment uh, and for helping me to pay attention when it came. Uh, I think God brings all kinds of divine appointments our way. He brings people and, and situations into our lives that help draw us closer to Him. Uh, he brought people into your life. Every single one of you. He's brought people into your life that have taken the time to talk to you about Jesus and to explain uh, religion or to invite you to church. And God will bring people across your path that He wants you to talk to about Jesus and to explain church and to invite them to sit with you. Just just like uh, Bud and Mary Helen did with, uh, with Robert and Susan. Uh, God puts those divine appointments around us all the time. Here in the second half of Acts, we see an example of one of those divine appointments. Uh, follow along with me, Ezra. So it's Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. Uh, this is a desert road. So we got up and went. 
And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and, uh, and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the Spirit said to Philip, uh, go up and join his chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and, and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, please tell me of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this Scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he kept preaching the Gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Man, talk about an obvious define appointment here, right? Uh, I, I can't help but be at least a little bit envious of Philip just in how like loudly and clearly God directed him. I mean, how many of you wish that God would tell you with this kind of clarity where you're supposed to go next, right? Like, God, I'm in. I'm willing. I love you. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Just tell me. Just tell me what it is. Uh, help me out a, a little bit. Uh, but really, I don't know if the Holy Spirit was any more clear with Philip than he is with us. And I don't, I don't know if he's any more specific with Philip than he is with us. Maybe the difference lies in not how loudly the Spirit communicates now versus then, but in how closely we're able to listen. If we're going to be ready for these kinds of divine appointments, we have to listen, right? We have to be able to listen to the Spirit's guidance. What, what exactly does Philip or the Spirit tell, tell Philip? He says, get up and go south down this desert road. That's it, right? That's all that Philip knows for step one. Doesn't really have much more information. Doesn't tell him where he's going. Doesn't tell him who to look for. Doesn't tell him what he's going to be doing. He doesn't give all the information. All Philip has at this point early on is that first step. There is a great deal of trust on Philip's part to be willing to get up and walk down a desert road without really knowing where he's going. 
Some of us, some of us here would have no problem with that, right? Sounds great. Yeah, you just point and I'll go. I'll start walking and I'll make up the rest as I go. Or I'll listen for your guidance as I go. Others of you, however, would be like, no way. I need to see all of it. I need to have the full itinerary printed out in front of me. I need to know exactly where I'm going and every little step along the way before I'm willing to move a muscle. And sometimes God does that. Sometimes He gives us a few more details. I mean, like he did with the divine appointment between Cornelius and, and Peter. There was a little bit more info there. Other times, God just says, get up and start walking that way. And I'll let you know more later. Does God still do that? Does God still tell us at times in different ways, all right, I need you to get up and start moving? Absolutely, he does. There is no doubt that there are times where God says, all right, it's time for you to get up and move. There's some sort of divine appointment that's waiting. There's something I have for you out there. There's, there's something that I need you to be ready for. The trick is, the hard part is, being able to hear when He calls. How does that work? How does, is it an audible voice? How do, how do we get better at listening for the Holy Spirit of God? And how do we know that we're moving down the right path? I think there's a couple of things that help increase our odds of moving in, in the direction He wants us to go. The first one is prayer, right? You knew I was going to say that already. <laughs> Through prayer. In time and prayer, it, that's not just the, the laundry list of things that we ask God for. But time and prayer that has built into it time to meditate and think. Does, does your prayer time involve thinking at all? Processing? Meditating? Like is, there, is there time to evaluate where are you right now? Where do you need to be next? Is there time built into your prayer time to think about those verses that you just got done reading or that you heard on Sunday? Time built in to think about what it is that God was trying to tell you and how He wants to change you. Is there, is there time built into your prayer just to ask that question, God, where do you want me to go next? And, and then listen for what He might be saying. So, Prayer is the first one. And then, and then active listening is the second part of that. Um, I hate to overgeneralize, but I think for 100% of us, the problem is listening. Because there's so much other noise. Now, let me ask this. Uh, at what point in your day are you surrounded by silence? Like, At what point in your day is there not noise? As I was thinking about that question myself, I was a bit convicted because we have all of these cool toys and gadgets and things that entertain us, but they also make it really, really hard to have times that are quiet. You have to do it on purpose. I mean, you have to intentionally carve out times of silence. 
And then you have to use that time to listen. And then finally, the third thing is through faith. At some point, you just have to have a measure of faith that God knows what He's doing, that He's in charge, that you're, you're actively giving Him control. All right, God, I'm trusting You. I want You to guide me. I'm asking You for the wisdom to know where I'm supposed to go next. And then you just kind of hand it over to Him and trust Him and then start moving. If you're moving in the wrong direction... Then what? Like what happens if, okay, I'm going to trust and I wasn't listening right and I'm moving in the wrong direction. What's going to happen? I think God will redirect you. He certainly did that for Jonah, right? <laughs> um, hopefully it won't be in the exact same way. But God has the ability, if you're wandering a bit, to steer you where you need to do. It's just a lot easier to do that when you're moving than when you're stagnant. God does that all the time. As we read through Acts, we're going to see all the time where, where Paul says, I really wanted to go to this place and, and meet with you. And I started in that direction, but the Spirit said, nope, I want you to go over here instead. And uh, that's just it's a part of the deal. Move in faith and trust that God will guide and give you directions and instructions and more information as you go. It's tricky, right? It's tricky and kind of subjective. Again, I don't know if we're going to hear the audible voice of God guiding us and leading us. I think it's more subtle. It's more internal. It's more spiritual. Which, which I think because of that, it makes it easier for us to second-guess ourselves or to just, just not do anything. But honestly, I think for most of us, we know what the guiding, leading of the Holy Spirit sounds like. I think we do. I mean, I think if we're honest, the majority of us in here who are believers who've been Christians for a long time have had those times when the Holy Spirit of God has put some person on your mind and said, all right, I need you to pray for him. Right? Anybody else? God, uh, through His Holy Spirit, has put us in these situations before where where something just doesn't feel right. And it's not something that makes sense mentally. It's, it's a spiritual thing. It just feels wrong. Right? Where God has put across your path somebody who's asking questions about Jesus or about religion or about church. And you realize, oh, <laughs> I know what this is. I, I can help them. I, I can answer them. I think we know what it means to listen to the Spirit's guidance. I think we know what His voice sounds like. I just think we have an enemy who does a really, really good job of creating all kinds of noise and distraction so it's harder for us to hear. Philip here is a guy who's in tune with the Spirit of God. Attentive. Willing to take that step of faith down a weird, lonely, deserted road. And he stumbles upon this Ethiopian, a guy who's a court official of the queen of the Ethiopians. And this man must have at least to some degree had contact with Judaism because he has made this thousand mile trip to Jerusalem to worship, to try and understand God better. He's searching for truth and he's hungry to know more. And 
He has in his possession a copy of the Scriptures, which is impressive. That's not an easy thing to do, which probably just means he was wealthy. And, he, and he's diligently trying to read it. And Philip knows. He recognizes this is the divine appointment that God had sent him on. And so he uses this opportunity to share the Gospel with him. I love the exchange here. This is amazing. Uh, Philip, here's the guy reading from Isaiah out loud, and he walks up to him, and what does he ask? Do you understand what you're reading? And and what does the guy say? Well, how could I? <laughs> Have you ever felt that way when you're reading the Bible? Like you're reading through it, and uh, I'm not sure... My guess is most of us have had this experience, right? You felt you felt uh, convicted to read all the way through the Bible because your pastor has said it's important and you should do it. Pick it up, start reading, and so you're like, okay, I'm going to do it this time. Seriously, you pick it up and you start reading Genesis, and you're like, all right, this isn't that bad. That's fun. Exodus, okay, a little weird there towards the end, but Exodus is fine. And then Leviticus, right? And it's like, what happened? These are English words, I think, but I don't know what's going on here. I, I can power through. And then you get to numbers and like, ah, never mind. I'm just going to set that down. Uh, anybody else had that experience with the Bible? Uh, listen, I believe that the Bible is not some sort of weird, mysterious riddle that only like highly educated and trained people can understand. I believe that you can pick up the Bible and read all about Jesus and coming, uh, come to a saving faith in Him without any other guide than the Holy Spirit of God. But I also believe it's really, really helpful to have guides, other people who can help answer our questions for us and help us think through different things that are confusing to us. I know I benefited greatly from having countless different people that that met with me and mentored me and helped me understand it better. I think that's kind of uh, the whole point of the Great Commission. It's why we're sent out. We've been called by God to go out there and make disciples. Teach them all the things that, that Jesus taught. But what does that look like? I think it looks a lot like what Philip does here. Uh, this was an easy one, right? This is a softball for Philip. Because uh, this guy's already seeking. He's got his Bible open. Question is an easy question. And so the Ethiopian's reading this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. All right. Okay, that's confusing. I can get, like if you're reading just that and you're, Who's that about? What's it? Eunuch answers Philip and says, tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or someone else? Who is this passage about? Is what he's asking. Awesome. I'm glad you asked. It's about Jesus. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Philip speaks right from scripture, explains the word to him. And he shows him how that Scripture is all about Jesus. When we share the Gospel with others, it should likewise be sharing the Word of God and pointing people to Jesus. Can you, you don't have to memorize the whole Bible, 
but it probably is helpful to know something about God's Word. Uh, and it doesn't have to be that complicated. Like even John 3.16 is great, right? There's a reason why they hold that sign up at football games. Like there's a reason why that's the first verse that every kid memorizes. At least it will in Christian school. There's a reason why we, we hold on to that one. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Simple, true, easy to communicate exactly who Jesus is and what He does. There is power in the Word of God. The Spirit of God is present when the Word is spoken and explained to people. So read it. Read the Bible. Memorize it. Study it. And then when God brings someone across your path, explain it to them. When you do, really, all you got to do is point them to Jesus. He's the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Him. Faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior and our sacrifice is, is what makes us right with God. His death, His resurrection secured our forgiveness. That's the good news. Explain that for people. Show them how it all points to Jesus as our great Savior. And then encourage them to follow and obey. I don't even know at what point uh, Philip talks to the Ethiopian guy about baptism. Uh, maybe when he got to the end of the Gospel story, he just you know, sh shared the Great Commission. Just shared Jesus' word. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Maybe Philip told them about the thousands and thousands of people who were baptized on the day of Pentecost. Whatever it was, this guy understands that baptism is a step of obedience after placing his faith in Jesus Christ, and he wants to do it right now, right? He doesn't want to wait a second. Look, there's a big body of water. What's preventing us from doing it right now? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The guy answers and says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Orders the chariot to stop. They both go down into the water. The guy's baptized right then and there. That's the order, I think. I think that's the right order. I think often uh, in some areas of Christianity or with some Christians at least, can come across as, as kind of judgy or, or condemning. Sometimes we make it seem like, like uh, what God cares most about is your behavior and you've got to get your behavior in line and get yourself all cleaned up and pretty. And then come to faith in Christ. And... But no one ever does things that way. I don't think any of us in this room did things that way. We don't, we don't get saved by cleaning up our act and then believing in Jesus. No, it starts with hearing the Gospel and repenting of our sin and placing our trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And then that old life, that who we are, starts to change. From that point on, we start to change from the inside out. 
Not some sort of outside standard that somebody puts on us. No, it's, it's a change that's a result of a desire to love and honor and follow God. Finally, and I'll zip through this part because I'm out of time, but I don't want us to miss it. I think the, the last thing that we've got to do if we're going to make sure that we make the most of the divine appointments that God brings our way is that we have to love people. We've got to really love them. Care about other people. Have a heart for those who are lost and searching. Love people that we don't even know yet. Love people who are enslaved by sin. Not be like all arrogant and condescending Love them to, enough to go out of our way for them. And that's what Philip does, right? I mean, he goes to Samaria as a missionary, a place that Jewish people didn't really hang out. They walked around it most of the time. They didn't go there. This is a whole different culture, a whole different group that's not well-liked. But he goes out of his way to share Jesus with them. Even goes out of his way to the point of being willing to walk down that lonely desert road out of obedience to God and love for the lost. So we need to listen uh, to the Spirit's guidance. And then we need to break out of our usual routine and go out of our way to share the gospel. And then we got to meet people where they are. We, we've got to be willing to do that, whatever that looks like. And I, I think that's maybe what made this interaction between Philip and the Ethiopian so easy. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't awkward. Philip simply asked the guy, do you understand what you're reading? Do you need help? Maybe, maybe we don't need to approach evangelism with some sort of like canned speech in our head like we're a salesman just rehearsing our lines. You know, hi, do you know my friend Jesus? Uh, let, me, let me read John 3.16 to you. But just meet them where they are. Figure out what's going on in their lives and in their hearts. Where do they go to church? What's their religious background? Maybe just treat people the way that we would want to be treated and let the conversations be natural and spirit-filled and not forced and weird. And then finally, I think we need to love people by listening to their needs. What's God already doing in their life? Where are they hurting and struggling? And where can you come alongside and help meet a need? How can you love them in a, in a tangible, practical kind of way? It's often said that people don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. I think there's some truth there. You could have the whole Bible memorized, but if you don't love people, it's worthless. You might have a super great prayer life, be in tune with the leading of the Holy Spirit, but if you don't love people, you're useless to God. Paul says it this way, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, 
If I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Boldly proclaim the Gospel to to the people that God puts in your path. And then love them like a true, genuine, heart of God kind of love. I think that's easier to do this time of year maybe than most times of year because every store that you go into is playing uh, hymns, right? They're playing Christian worship songs to Jesus. All of these Christmas carols, at least a lot of them, are, are about Jesus. So there's all of these opportunities that we have now to tell. Do you know what that song is about? One of my favorites, one of the best is O Little Town of Bethlehem because embedded in it is this, is this prayer, this really simple childlike prayer of faith and devotion and commitment to Jesus. Oh, holy child of Bethlehem, descend on us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. God, I thank You, Lord, for how You've brought people into our lives. Divine appointments who could help answer our questions and point us in the right direction. People who could help teach us about You. And pray to God that You would open our eyes, Lord, as You bring people across our path. Give us opportunity to share the Gospel with those who need to hear it. All for Your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.